0: All right, everybody, the number one most frequent guest on the program is back today. Zach Coleus is here for Ask an Angel. We did it live on YouTube, and we got a ton of great questions, raising money on Zoom post-COVID, red flags to consider when reviewing syndicate and startup deals as an investor, and uh, concepts that early in our careers we believed in, but maybe we think differently about now, how you can form relationships with VCs before you build your startup, and investor red flags. What kind of people should you look out for as a startup founder that you don't want on your cap table? And so much more. Stick with us. It's going to be a great show. Zach is amazing. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Vanta. Compliance and security shouldn't be a deal breaker for startups to win new business. Vanta makes it easy for companies to get a SOC 2 report fast. Twist listeners can get $1,000 off for a limited time at vanta.com slash twist. Coda. Coda is the all-in-one doc for teams. If you've got a stack of niche workflow tools or you're buried in docs and spreadsheets, Coda is the doc that brings it all together. Startups can sign up for free at coda.io slash twist. And Contra. Contra is a commission-free marketplace for freelancers and independent creators. Get $500 off your first hire at contra.com slash twist. Okay, everybody, we're live on the YouTube right now with ask an angel. This is a series uh, that I've been doing for years with my friend Zach Colius. who's Zach Colias. He's a serial entrepreneur. He got into angel investing and early stage investing at the same time I did just about 10 years ago. Correct. Zach.
1: Yeah, yeah. 2015
0: spring 15. 2015. Um, he runs Colias Capital. That's his last name. C O E L I U S. You can follow him Zach Colius on Twitter. And um, you know, as, as far as investors go. I have a sign behind me that says do the work. That sign's there for me, uh, not for y'all, but if you benefit from it, I'm super happy. But people who do the work in our industry tend to gravitate towards each other. Zach and I have a great collaboration here because we both do the work. And man, it's a lot of work. What do you <laughs> I'm gonna start with? Welcome back for your 17th, 18th, is, 19th, is 20th, 20th, whatever. Nice. Oh, who knows? I stopped counting. Uh, 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 exactly but I think you have been on the pod kind of. more than anybody now. Oh, uh, cool. So what is, if you were to draw a pie chart, yeah. this is my question, and then we'll get to the audience's questions here. If you were to draw a pie, pie chart in the life of an, an angel, an early mm-hmm. stage investor, uh, in there, you know, getting, you know, towards the end of their first decade of investing, now you got to book a business, Crazy. you got existing startups, you got, yeah, LPs. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot going on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, some of the major pie slices would be meeting new founders servicing existing investors and then doing the crazy mishugana associated with managing lps and administration yeah just those three pie charts how do you how do you break it up today rough percentages i,
1: I would add a fourth one okay. um, which is being a free fun individual enjoying life like so Great. when i was a founder you know my last company we started in 2005 and ran that for over a decade and and um it was nonstop it was 24 yeah. hours a day it was your entire life and soul and every ounce of your being was going into trying to make this work and and there was never a moment to be like i'm i'm not 100% um and i think one of my favorite things about being an investor is, is that there's a real 80/20 rule in this business at least that i found in my experience where 20% of my time provides 80% of the value and mm. the rest of it has this very fast depreciating curve. And so, like, you know, the best founders are people I know, or they come from people I know. And, you know, and that's a really small slice of my time, but it's where all the value is. And so, what mm. I found really quickly in this job is that, like, I can spend my time doing the work. And then there's all this other time that I could go enjoy life. And I was like, mm. oh my God, I'm going to do that. Cause I spent a decade getting my head bashed in being a founder. And, God, it's so good. And I'm just trying to constantly do that and keep, keep that, that, balance, that sort yeah. of like, I wouldn't yeah. say balance. It's not balance. It's more of just like joy in my life. Got it. Like the, the opportunity to go explore the world. Like I'm trying to go to every country in the world. And, oh, wow. And that's like, that takes time. And it's yeah. awesome. And it's like super cool. And so like stuff How like How many that.
0: countries have you been to? How many continents have you been to? Are you keeping uh, track? I haven't
1: been to Antarctica yet. Uh, but oh, okay. I've been
0: to 90
1: something countries wow um, and in a good year Fantastic. i'll get 10 new ones you know we'll see wow it's, extraordinary. Yeah. and you
0: have remote work there yeah which yeah. is great you, you can do the this business. job anywhere right like yeah that's um another great thing about it uh the job has changed significantly everything yeah. used to be in the room yeah right? to take a meeting and then founders would fly in to see you so maybe you're obligated to take them to lunch yeah because just doing a half hour meeting with them would be a jerk move uh yeah. so now you're at three or four hours and basically it's the whole day if somebody flies into sea or at least half the day and you still feel like a jerk for yeah. only spending half a day with them if they flew in from new york or la or whatever so this zoom thing has changed everything you totally. can do a lot more meetings can be a lot more efficient in board meetings i have That's a board meeting today but yeah. yeah the board meetings going virtual has been a godsend as well oh
1: yeah i mean i don't sit on boards otherwise um yeah. it would really change a lot of parts of my business but um yeah, no, Zoom, is, Zoom I, I was really worried early on when we first started investing via Zoom in the beginning of COVID. I was like, oh, sh- how's this going to work? But mm-hmm. so far, I mean, the the for- performance of that portfolio has been, is very good. So I'm,
0: I'm What do you I'm attribute hopeful. that fact to? So Zoom, doing meetings on Zoom as opposed to in person mm-hmm. is as good or better than it was pre-COVID and people are sticking with that model. What do you attribute better selecting uh and better picking and and more efficiency what what is causing the uh lift from moving to zoom instead of the room
1: um i have i mean i think one thing that's happening is that the founders are able because they don't have to go in person to sandhill they can they don't have to show up and run around san francisco to meet with people in person they can have more meetings and as a result, they get to basically more rapidly kind of sort through who makes sense and who doesn't. And mm-hmm. as an investor on the other side, you we get to do the same thing. Like I get to see a lot of pitches like and decide which ones I want to take uh and I think the so the volume of deal flow that I'm getting I think is up as like is significantly up. And as someone who for me I really specialize in trying to find weird stuff. Like I like mm-hmm. stuff that like nobody else likes and that like and so the, the broader my aperture, the higher the opportunity of finding something that is like, is, is really kind of like going to fit my style. And so that, that seems to be a big driver. Um, the other thing is that like, I actually don't think that my in-person is substantially better than my Zoom read on a person. Like, so like think about a poker read, like when I'm mm. sitting with somebody in Zoom and I'm sitting with somebody in person, I don't think it's like order of magnitude difference. Got I do it. think, like, phone call versus Zoom, big difference. Like, or right. phone call versus, like, meeting in person, big difference. But Zoom, I'm, it's not clear yet, but I I think I'm pretty close. Like, it's.
0: Yeah. Uh, my theory on this is, is that the in-room stuff creates a lot of obligation. It mm-hmm. creates a lot of reciprocation effect. Okay, we've been in the same room. So now there's, like, a relationship being built. Yeah. Uh, and then that can drive people to make decisions based on, the vibe, the relationship, which founders yeah. know. Yeah. And investors know. So investors really want to get in the room with a hot deal and try to build a relationship fabric. They want to go on a hike with you. They want to take, have dinner with you if it's a hot deal. Yeah. Founders know this as well. That's why they want to get in the room with you uh, or previously did, because they want to use that time to build a relationship and have it be harder for you to say no ultimately. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. Those are sales techniques. We get it. Person comes on the lot. They, they want you to spend a long time on the lot uh and then the chance of you buying a car go up. Okay. Yeah. This is just known. Yeah. So then if you move to zoom and people become a little bit more dis- dispassionate, yeah. a little bit more objective in terms of picking their investor and picking the founder to back and like you're saying, you can see three times as many, four times as many uh people on both sides of the table, uh what that means ultimately is you find better matches for investors and companies and products. And then we have more time to do diligence, look at the numbers, talk to customers and do things that are less performative, less relationship building in the room. So then what's lost is relationship fabric being built for when things go wrong. So I have just instituted in our firm since we're so good at ripping through tons of introductory meetings, and founders are so good at it now. Well, after we make the investment, we realize we haven't spent a lot of time with these founders in a room. So do we have a deep relationship fabric? We don't. And so now I'm like, Okay, more zooms post investment, more, you know, breaking bread having a meal. So I'm just starting to think about that a lot more. And I think people should so that when things get hard, you got that relationship fabric to fall back on. So it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting how things have changed. Listen, it's 2023. The macro picture is a little shaky. It's uneasy out there and tech is getting hit super hard as such. You cannot afford to lose sales for silly stuff like not having your Sock 2 right now. If you are unsure about your Sock 2, you need to check out Vanta. Vanta makes it incredibly easy to get and renew your Sock 2. On average, Vanta customers are Sock 2 compliant in just two to four weeks. Compare that to three to five months without Vanta, huh? And they partner with over two dozen audit firms who have been trained to file SOC 2 reports directly within Vanta. This is a total no-brainer. A bunch of my portfolio founders have used Vanta, and they've had amazing experiences. And if you don't have SOC 2 compliance, you can't close major customers. One major customer, that could be the difference between your startup thriving or going away. So get it done right now. Vanta's going to give you $1,000 off because you listened to this podcast. Think about it. $1,000 $1,000 off Vanta.com slash twist. You got to write that down. Put it in your notes. V-A-N-T-A.com slash twist for $1,000 off your sock tube. So servicing new deals versus existing deals. Yeah. Percentage of time. Yeah, yeah your original a business. Um, yeah. so I probably
1: spend third, no more, probably 40 to 50% of my time looking at new stuff. Um, and then I'm probably spending... 30 to 40% of my time helping existing companies. And thankfully, product. the admin stuff is not too
0: bad. Um, so I've been abstracted now. You have service providers yeah. like yeah. Carta, like AngelList. They've just taken yeah. all that back office and made it into a, a product. So, yeah. you know, I hired someone it. who's
1: been amazing to like oh, help me in my, my audit work. Um, right. And, oh God, we're doing the audit this year and compared to last year, it's like night and day. <laughs> she, she's a pro audit. and it's like, it's like watching a pro at work. You're like, damn that's good they've
0: done it before yeah yeah um explain why what the audit is for venture capitalists why this is painful for us (laughs) uh, and and what the purpose of uh an audit of your portfolio is every year
1: yeah so i mean i have lps who give me their money to invest and um so every year we go through a process where we hire a effectively an accounting firm to go through and Mm -hmm. look at all the different companies all the positions in the portfolio where are they marked they basically They'll, they'll they'll google them all and they'll be like hey this firm announced a fundraise and we haven't changed the mark why or this firm did this and that so then we go through and we basically like answer all their questions provide all the supporting documentation and effectively sort of say that the portfolio is what we said it was and that it's worth what we said it was and that they you know hopefully um there's no bad shit going on And uh, so the LPs use that to basically feel comfortable with the fact that we're doing our job and that um, when we call them for more capital that, you know, they should give it to us.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. And it's so it's an arduous process. And then you have to get in touch with every single founder, you've got to get all this information. And you know, it's important for founders to keep their investors up to date. And the audit is like the ultimate backstop of that. We have no choice but to get information from you. So founders, please, when we ask you for that information, make our lives easier, please. All right, here come the questions. First question comes from Omar. Omar asks When reviewing an Angelus syndicate startup investment deal, what should we consider as red flags? Okay, so when you're Ooh. being invited to a syndicate, uh, what are the red flags you should look for? Okay, now if it's one of Zach's deals and it goes out to his syndicate uh, or one of my deals at the syndicate.com, I'm no longer on Angelus, we do it ourselves, but uh, Angelus is awesome. Uh, what are the red flags? in deals that red, people should red, look for. Red flags mm. are tricky.
1: Um, okay, explain why. So uh, one of the things that most investors on AngelList do is they'll go in and they'll look for deals that are being led by well-known VC firms. So Sequoia or Andreessen or you know, Greylock or Benchmark is leading around, right? Mm-hmm. And so usually if you were to be an LP in one of those funds, you'd be very excited to be an LP in one of those funds. And so being able to be invested alongside them is, you know, historically has been a very good deal. One red flag that we've seen over the last couple of years, certainly since the last sort of called 18 months, is those companies that basically had been funded by a lot of fancy VC firms at incredibly high prices in 2020 and 2021, crazy prices, uh, stupid prices. Um, they started to run out of money. And so then the, you know, and those deals were not that, la- the first deal that was not available on Angelus. They were, those mm. deals were well, like sharp elbowed. Everyone was fighting for allocation and getting an allocation on, on Angelus only happened if you were already a significant insider in the company. And even then you had to go to war. Like for instance, I'm in Mercury, the bank. And like, I've been there since the beginning and f- I've had to fight like crazy to get my allocations in the sub- subsequent rounds. And I got, I got f- by some good friends who led, who led oh. subsequent rounds, who literally were like, well, bummer. <laughs> and they're like good friends really? of mine.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah. Not yeah. friends anymore
1: in my book. <laughs> yeah, well, there were that, that that definitely threw a big damper on our relationship
0: from my side of things. Um, but anyway. Yeah, I have a simple rule with that, by the way. We're getting super inside baseball here, but that's why people are listening. I tell people, uh, if you screw me like that, and I'm a point guard, and when I bring the ball up the court the next time, yep. just be prepared. I may not pass it to you, I may no, pass totally. it to your competitor. So if you yep. want to play sharp elbow games, yep. just be prepared that Maybe I come up with the next Uber, and I you know it goes to your competitor. Totally, I consider them personal friends still. They're
1: they're my friends. I hang out with them. I see them on a regular basis. But the ball will not be passed their direction, and it's going to go to other people. Yeah, no, no, yeah. That's my job. My job is to basically just like you. It's like I'm bring the ball to my and 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 then when the time comes to pass it to people who are going to pass it back to me,
0: not people who are going to take it and you know board it, dribble it, and off their foot into the stands. Okay, yeah. so that yeah. was a red flag. Now they're coming oh, back to no, no, no. Angelist or syndication. Yeah, so now all of a sudden, mm. these deals are suddenly
1: getting bridge rounds because the VCs are trying to keep the companies alive. They, they're not doing well enough and they probably never will do well enough to raise at an up round. So we're getting flat rounds or we're getting bridge rounds, we're getting notes. So especially mm. if you're seeing a note going into an existing company that has yep. a well-known VC who led a previous round, that means it's a bridge round. And, the, and suddenly, if it's suddenly a bridge round, a note... And a well-known VC is in in the deal, they say, and it's basically happening um, with a note. You, you, that's a red flag because what that means is, is that they basically have said, "Oh, uh, let's go get some dumb money from Angelus to keep this company yep. alive, so that maybe the company can get to a next up round. At which point, we will basically go out and uh, raise it, fund it ourselves, and we won't give it to Angelus." So you get, there's a lot of so there's two strategies that have worked well historically in Angelus as a lead. One strategy is. Sort of the long term greedy strategy, which is basically think about it like every deal you do is going to be on your permanent record, and which is true, it's public and permanent. And you do a deal, and 10 years from now, people are going to be like, Why did you do that stupid yes. deal? Why did you do that? Yes. Deal? And so that sets up your career as an investor to basically be to use Angelus as a source of capital, but to be very careful about your record. The other strategy, which a bunch of people unfortunately have done, is effectively just a spray and pray, do it ton of deals and get
0: deal by deal carry because you don't care about the losers and the winners will pay you and just so who cares about who cares about your reputation or your track record you're just going to put as much you know uh, as much food on the buffet as possible and it's up to you to figure out if it's good or not you being the syndicate member these are really important red flags for people to notice and over time people have learned to know the difference one red flag um, I'll point out is Uh, you know, high valuations, and not a lot of traction, or, you know, uh, a deal memo, and we really put a lot of care into our deal memos, but a lack of due diligence and a lack of data in the deal memo. So you got a high price, they want 25 million 35 million. But they don't actually have, I don't know, quarterly monthly revenue spend charts in there. Now the company's been around it, the has been in market for six quarters, and you don't know the revenue per quarter you don't know the growth rate if that stuff's missing then and they're talking about the product roadmap and it's a high valuation you have to ask well the people who have performance will share their performance the people who have a lack of performance will share roadmaps plans features you know events yeah. that they spoke at stories any, you know hires they've made press hits yeah so i really like um a focus on the business and it becomes very clear uh, and you'll see it in when you get updates as well after you've invested if the updates include if if there's growth and revenue and customers being signed yeah their it's founders are gonna take email. credit for that it's yeah. at the top of the email
1: first thing check out yes. our 20 percent month
0: over month growth yes yeah. and fa- so founders are smart so yeah. you just have to understand if they're selling performance yep. or promise well one, one if you're selling through- the promise you know you're, you're you're you got to be careful to not have every single thing in your portfolio selling promise, and you got to have some things that are selling the performance. Performing.
1: One one thing I would say with with syndicates in particular is I've got five thousand people in mine. You've got fifty thousand in yours.
0: Not eleven. And,
1: yeah. Okay. A lot. But yeah. anyway, so yeah. when you when when I talk to a founder and they're like, "Oh, what are you going to share with these five thousand people that I don't know?" Yes, I'm like, um you get to decide what you are willing to let me share. So if you're, can I put revenue numbers in? I'd like to put that in there. Can I put in sort of like month over month growth rates? But, but sometimes they're like, no, I'm not sharing that information. And so there are, I've had deals where I've been like, look, I can't share anything. I'm mm-hmm. doing this deal. My money is going into it. So you can trust me or not, um, make your own decision. But like, I can't tell you any specifics mm-hmm. about sort of where the business is at. So that, that does happen. And so it's like, it's a balance there.
0: It's a balance. Yeah. 2023 is here. And this is the year you need to perform. You need to be focused and I want your startup firing on all cylinders and how are you going to do that you're going to use CODA CODA helps you do more with less in CODA your team can work on entire projects from start to finish. That's right one product you have everything you need in one place. We're in the efficiency revolution, you have to do more with less And right now is the perfect time for you to jump in and learn about all the amazing features that Coda has. And uh, you know what happens when your work is spread out across a bunch of different tools. Uh, Your productivity is going to suck. Coda is the doc that brings it all together. And it's efficient and it's fast. We use Coda at this very podcast to track my J-Trades. If you just go to JTrading.com it'll take you to a gorgeous Coda page of all my J trades. What an amazing product. It's always advancing the templates are next level. But here's the important call to action. You can operate and collaborate in one place to get your projects done faster. Take advantage of the special limited time offer just for startups. Sign up today at coda.io slash twist and you will get $1,000 startup credit on your first statement. That's right. Coda.io slash twist for a one- thousand dollars sign up credit and this offer is so generous I want you to take advantage of it right now because I don't know how long this absurdly generous offer from coda will exist coda.io slash twist for one thousand dollars in sign up credits right now all right from the YouTube pre-show people got into the youtube channel youtube.com slash this week in uh sign up hit the bell so you can get notifications when we go live but somebody asked while the show was up it leaves the show in the chat room up so you can get the questions in early for your portfolio founders who raised at the top and have no path to profitability in the short term other than cutting staff, what other options are there besides closing shop? Wow. Uh, what are the options here? Yeah. Uh, you don't have a path to profitability. And uh, yeah.
1: I mean, so I think in today's market, I think there's a couple things going on. Um, this happened to a number of my companies and I'm we're working through it right now, which is like, you you raised you got to a million in revenue. The business was doing really well, and then in 2021, some crazy VC firm came along and here here's 20 on 100 posts, and everyone's like woohoo, 20 million dollars, yay, we're going to be able to do a lot of with that. And now they're at you know a couple million in revenue, uh, a few million in revenue, hopefully, but the valuation the multiple that they're seeing in the market is not going to get them an up round. And so then the question then becomes, do you pivot? like just change your business entirely, which is dangerous. And I'm in my last business, I did that a number of times. And it's like, it's it's a non-trivial thing to do. Do you take more product risk, which I can, I'll come back to, or do you basically try to sell or shut down the business? And I my argument for all these founders today is like, look, we seem to be at a step change with AI changing the game on the field in a substantial, nonlinear way. So like, you can think of sort of like, the last decade the technology is improving over and over and over again but we haven't had a major step change since mobile ai appears to have done that and and i mean i i, I like to argue that ai probably is the real web3 so the crypto fraudsters basically like web3 web3 bullsh*. we all know that with But but yep. ai appears to have totally changed the game and so i think for a lot of those founders this is the opportunity to take the capital that they have, and this new platform and make a bet on it and s- try to figure out how to basically get a step change in their business. And some of them will succeed and some will fail. So for instance, in my company, we had raised like a million bucks in 2008 from Reed Hoffman and the Google Analytics founders and all these amazing founders. And we had this business, and literally Lehman happened and we were like, Oh, f- we're so f-. and we saw this new technology at that point in time called real time bidding, which is well, we had just gotten started and we were like, well, let's bet on this thing. If it works, like we'll survive. And if it were f- anyway, if it fails, because like yeah. our core business wasn't going to make it through. And so we, we bet our entire business on this new protocol and it worked and, and that became a success. And so I think bold, AI gives a similar Logical
0: decision making. You have to look at the field, the game on the field, as you're saying, and pick up, make a plan. And execute as well as you can against that plan. And that, that does sometimes mean cutting the staff in half, yep. retreating and extending the runway. So yep. I literally got an email third riff from a startup. They finally got the message, you know, ten, 5%, 10%, 20% riff. We should have just done a 40% riff at the start or whatever yeah. it was. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to make it. They have, you know, 12 plus months of runway. And they've got a good plan, and I think they can get to break even with the money they have. But it was literally one year of having wow. this discussion, wow. and so wow. they could have made these cuts at the beginning a little more severe and had 24 months of runway. But it is what it is. Sometimes founders are going to take their time on the cuts, and um, you know some some individuals do their best work when their back is up against the wall. Yeah, and that's just human nature. You know, it's you like see that down with in a poker
1: who, tournament. Like when I literally feel the best when I'm literally almost yes. Dead. I'm like I got nothing to lose now. I'm just going to start fucking jamming.
0: It is a um, it, it is uh, something that builds your focus. I have to say, when I was doing this skiing, and I, they were like, "You have to get more speed, or you're going to be buried under the snow." <laughs> and it was a whiteout condition. And my guide, when they got ten p- feet past me, I couldn't see them, and I had to they had to use a whistle, and oh, I had to wow. follow the whistle. Wow! And I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to just go faster. F it. And if I fall yeah i'm gonna fall on powder and literally i that's when it clicked for me that nice. speed is your friend in the powder except for the one time when it was such whiteout conditions i didn't see the fact that there was a giant kind of like mogul or just like the whole hill <laughs> just plowed into I it i hit a mogul i kid you not i went five ten feet in the air i didn't see it so i was completely <laughs> unprepared for it so now i'm go- you, you know that thing when you're f- in the air and you realize i'm in the air i'm not gonna land on my skis i'm gonna (laughs) land on my back and i'm like oh this is the end of my season moment and i'm in the air on my back uh, and i land on my back one of the skis pops off and it was like landing in a pool i just landed in a five foot bank of snow and i was fine yeah and i was like oh wow this is different (laughs) if you do fall it's not a big deal uh yeah, listen, your mileage may vary, but <laughs> the point is uh sometimes you gotta take a leap of faith and you gotta go for it. And I think the investors would rather that than you going in a circle. Yeah. Uh or going so slow down the mountain that you get lost and eaten by wolves. Okay. Yeah. Yep. From the YouTube live chat, here we go. We're cooking with oil now. From a founder's perspective, what are the red flag personality types to be aware of when courting angel investors, assuming the angel is relatively new? Okay, great. Yeah. So uh what are red flags with investors? We we see investor bad behavior all the time. Uh, what are some early red flags? I mean, sometimes we see it with co-investors. Uh, mm-hmm. Who are the people that you should avoid?
1: I think there's two that I'm really scared of, having dealt with them myself a lot. Mm-hmm. One is the, I'm doing this angel investing thing to get rich. Um, oh. Folks. They mm-hmm. tend to be very finance oriented. They're, they're going to talk a lot about valuations and portfolio construction mm-hmm. and like, and they're they're thinking about it like it's, you know, they're on Wall Street and they're like, they're making bats. Um, unfortunately, those people get impatient very, very ah, rapidly. Yes, this is a business where it's, it takes forever and you have to be patient and mm. forcing things to happen doesn't work in this business. And those those folks can become really painful to deal with if if um
0: okay so category one the impatient folks they get rich Uh, they think they're
1: going to get rich doing
0: this that makes them impatient. yeah well and you know if you do have that outlook you better have a get rich slowly and get rich diversified with using the power law yeah and so i think it's fine to have the aspiration to do well investing in this category you know that's kind of the point yeah um is that you could have outliers but you better understand that it takes 25 investments and you have to be graceful in failure i have had a challenge with this in my early years because it would be very frustrating to find out a a founder shut the company down three months ago and i've been trying to get updates from them for a year And they're like oh yeah we shut the company down i'm like what oh three months ago what yeah you didn't even tell me (laughs) yeah no you didn't even try to get a bridge round wow okay interesting this is the wild west folks and so you just have to be prepared and i don't know when you first experienced outright fraud or malfeasance in your portfolio i didn't experience it for the first 50 investments but when you hit two or three hundred okay yeah somebody's going to do something veranos like right and i've had Mm, it happen once or twice (laughs) Uh we'll find out in the, the second case so you never know um and it's really hard any other archetypes of investors to avoid yeah and then how do how to identify them i'm not sure how to identify the finance bruh who wants to get rich quick but i I would think the number of investments they have and their reputation with other investors how long they've been doing it maybe
1: yeah i I just look you should always do references on angel investors it's trivial to do it It won't take you more than like a few minutes to send out some emails like you're gonna know people in common with them like, do do the work. Like, yep. like, if you're raising money from an investor and you haven't done references on them, you are <laughs> up. Um, so, and, mm. you know, I've I've had a couple situations where there are people who I've worked with who just turn out to really <laughs> suck and founders call me up and they're like, hey, and I'm like, run for your
0: life. Don't work yeah, with that person. exactly. But, yeah. 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 It is, uh, I'll give you one while you think of your next one. I got, yeah, um, go ahead. Yeah. The investor who uh wants to run the company themselves and they yep, have a lot yep, of ideas yep yep uh is one and there is a kind of side archetype to this one uh where they want to send the management team on never-ending uh research projects analytics mm-hmm. uh, so they number one think they can run the company so they're like hey well why don't we do this or you should do this or yeah. you know they're not asking things like have we considered Mm -hmm. you know uh white labeling the product and what are your thoughts on that which is how i learned to ask questions from ruloff and bill gurley and other folks is like hey let's have a conversation about let's pose it as a discussion as opposed to an edict Mm -hmm. Uh, even if you think it's the right thing to do but man i'm on some of these boards and i'll see somebody come in and they haven't prepared they don't have a prepared mind as doug leone and michael moritz talk about you're having a prepared mind coming into this if you don't have the prepared mind and then you are sending the team on hey can i get a uh, a report on all the clients by you know their length and the churn and how many customers have it and it's like whoa 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 whoa, we have four clients we can just talk yeah. about each of the four
1: yeah
0: <laughs> we yeah. can do it right now we don't need to yeah. make an extensive report okay so that's an archetype for me and uh, the way i <laughs> identify those early is they do they use non-standard documents mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they argue over things that don't matter in those mm-hmm. documents. Mm-hmm. So I try to be standard documents, standard documents. Let's just use the standard documents. So we don't have downstream problems yep. where investors are like, oh, you did non-standard documents. And even in our side letters, you know, we ask for very simple things. If we own over 5%, maybe we should have a board observer seat. If we over 10%, we should have the option to join the board. Uh, if you do choose to do board meetings at some point, and can we get updates, you know, mm-hmm. like really simple like yeah. requests and the even putting them in there is more to a level set with the founder that, hey, we, we, we just think there should be governance when this company hits a million in revenue or something. Mm-hmm. And there should be some planning. So when you're mm-hmm. in the product market phase, uh, product discovery phase, maybe you don't need to have these things. But when you do get that, to that 1 million, like you mentioned earlier for startups, yeah, maybe we should be thinking how the one turns into three and the three turns into nine. And that might take more planning. Yeah, yeah. It might take more planning. Have you, have you made a plan? Do you want to go over the plan? I mean, that's literally what I say to them. Have you made a plan? should we go over the plan hope is not a plan so why don't we make a plan even we can change it i mean i literally give all these disclaimers like <laughs> uh okay you have any other ha- archetypes I, yeah
1: i was actually gonna busybody. T- t- i was the busybody micromanager usually often like either a former former manager at a corporate those are the worst like if they're Oof. a manager at a corporate like they're okay, just yeah. used to like like they're used to performative work and mm-hmm. reports and decks and like being the smartest person in the 10 person meeting because mm-hmm. they know mm-hmm. something about the business. Correct. And like, uh, it, yeah, if the, and literally the the, the way I when I say to my founders is like, like, if I do my job correctly, you don't need to call me because you don't need me because you're amazing. And I'm here to basically be helpful if you need an introduction or whatever, when you're trying to raise money. But generally, like you, that means I picked a good entrepreneur. And, and you shouldn't have me taking your time. So mm. I should never ask you to do something that literally you think is a waste of time. And yep. at the point that I ask you ever to do something that you think is a waste of time and it's a cost of the business, please tell me that. Be like yes. hey, Please tell yes. me, hey, this is why I think this is a cost, not a positive ad. And then I can tell you why I think it's going to help the business or not. But, but my job is not to put costs on my entrepreneurs. My no. job is to stay the out of the way and let them go execute and perform. And my job is to pick people who don't need me. But the corporate people, oh my gosh. They just yeah. like, they live in this like kabuki there's world. There's a time
0: for them. You know, if you get yeah. to series B or series mm, no, C. No, there's never a time for people. Okay, okay, well, there might be a time for somebody with, not the busybody ones, but somebody with deep domain expertise yeah. in finance. Sure. And you're thinking about doing a venture debt and you don't have a CFO and this person's an investor and they got a lot of CFO experience and you can put them on a mission to get four venture debt quotes, and you yeah, know, you can like yeah. use their mutant strength, yeah, to not derail the management team, but to do work for the management team. And so that goes to how do you manage your investors. And so, you know, that's a really great thing to do is to tell people like, hey, yeah, no, we we're good on the product side. We the three features you came up with, they're actually on the roadmap, and uh, two of them are low priority. Uh, mm-hmm. We already talked to our customer, but the one you got there, yeah, that one is high priority. You'll probably see that in Q two of uh, this year you know what we could use your help on? Yeah. We really need a CFO. Yeah. Would you be willing to help us find a CFO and maybe do the first round of interviews with 10 of them <laughs> for <laughs> an hour each? Yeah. And now yeah, all of a sudden yeah, that yeah. person's yeah. like, oh, oh no, I just f- wanted to throw bombs into the <laughs> f- management team to waste yeah. f- time. And I put 50K into the company and now I'm creating 150K in- Costs. Costs, like hey, don't be that person. It's hard enough to run these companies. Uh, you know. And if you are gonna be that person, you better bring more value than the the chaos you're causing. Just don't but be think you chaotic. It.
1: You like you nailed it. Yeah. It's like you got to win the question game with your investors. When they ask you a question, you got to ask them for help. You got to be like, and not help about their question because they're going to run tangent on that. Be like, what's the thing that I can use this person for to actually move the business forward and put the onus back on them, and then mm. they can they can their costs can be basically balanced by the value they add. And right. the the posers they will just run away very rapidly. Yeah. Um, when you do that
0: yeah i mean how can i be helpful is a meme uh for a reason yeah some founders do need help some founders do not some founders need you to just say high five that's awesome keep going travis (laughs) (laughs) yeah good yeah nothing to add uber's doing just fine (laughs) and if you do you know, want to talk about something that's in my wheelhouse let me know and you know what Travis would call me when there was a PR crisis or yeah. there was the public didn't understand surge pricing or something like that. And we would, you know, a handful of times have a really good talk about communicating surge pricing to the public, you yeah. know, or, you know, Elon and I, we had a talk because I knew about affiliate programs and, uh, I wasn't an investor, uh, in Tesla, but, uh, he, I helped him architect the, um, referral. Uh, the the referral program, if you remember, for Model Three, and we just talked about it for I don't know, maybe an hour one time. Just we were having dinner or something or flying somewhere, and we just had an hour long conversation about the strategy behind it. It was too successful; he had to turn it off. If you remember, people sold so many Model Threes, somebody got two free cars because you got five thousand dollars in credits. Okay, so that's, that's a good deal. That, that's a good program. It was yeah too successful. Is a good yeah that's yeah, a good outcome. That's awesome. That means you win. <laughs> Otherwise, it was literally yeah. two outcomes. That's great. Um, and so you know the these kind of discussions where you can be helpful and it's in your wheelhouse is i think what you have to be self-aware of as a potential investor and then yeah you know you have to manage these people and i have a new technique Mm. if i am not being helpful and you don't want me as an investor um i am more than willing uh to sell my shares in a company you know Mm. so if, if if you don't want me around i get it like and i've literally had two instances in 350 Hmm. where i said you know i think we philosophically differ here yeah uh maybe i shouldn't be an investor anymore and you know in one case it was because people were doing stuff that i didn't consider uh ethical Mm -hmm. um and i just wasn't comfortable you know just from a legal perspective and um i exited that investment and then in one case you know they didn't want a founder didn't want to share with us the information that was driving the business. Mm. And I was like, okay, that's odd. Uh, and this is normal information that you would share with people with this percentage ownership. And they, they just were like, we're not sharing any information. It was just a huge Mm. red flag for me. And I was like, this is a trust issue. Like if you don't trust me, we shouldn't be a business together. Just, and it was like a million dollar investment and we exited. Mm. So in these, situations i don't have you ever had that happen where you wrote off an investment we just saw that with citizen and sequoia there was the ft story yeah Yeah. um where there's a cram down round. that's not too uncommon but um have you been in it where you have to separate from the founder and and how did you handle it yes and you can abstract it abstract it you know so
1: i had one um where they they were just doing a really poor job communicating and um and i i literally you know, I, I called the founder up and I was like, look, just to let you know, I've asked multiple times for these things. You've mm. chosen not to do them. I'm not asking for a lot. Um, and so like, I'm stepping back. They didn't have the money to buy me out and I wouldn't have asked for them to. But I was like, look, I'm, I'm writing this to zero. And as far as I'm concerned, good luck. Now, I, I subsequently actually just recently found, met the guy who um, went in and helped turn around that company. Now the company's doing great. And there was like a leadership change and they they turned around everything. And I so I met the 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 VC from the bigger VC firm who went in and did mm. the work, to, like helped them rebuild that business. And he was like, Oh my God. And I was like, mm. You did God's work, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> Cause it was it was bad. Um I mean yeah, listen, people
0: can disappoint you in all relationships. This is a business partnership, customer, oh. employee, founder's management team investors service providers people can disappoint each other there's so much opportunity my best advice is if it's not working out to just say hey for the sake of just being professional this isn't working out for me i'm guessing it's probably not working out for you why don't we move on to this type of relationship right listen we all know Hiring world class freelancers is a game changer for your startup, or even if you're working at a big company. You want to have a great talent marketplace where you can find these people, but then you're always worried oh my God, is all my money going to go to commissions? Well, we found a new solution for you. It's called Contra, C O N T R A. Contra is a commission free marketplace for freelancers and independent creators. That's right, commission free. And there's no percentage based upcharge when you hire somebody, how does that sound? Well, that's great. And if you're on the other side of the marketplace, let's say you're a laid off tech worker, you got a lot of experience, well, now's your chance, join Contra and start getting freelance gigs that pay well, and don't have the marketplace taking the money that you're earning, you get 100% of what you make, no fees, What? a fascinating way to disrupt the market contra specializes in design engineering social media video writing and ai it really is the easiest way to get solid talent quickly if you need project based work you have to check out contra listen we have great success with freelancers we're hiring them all the time and contra is the best way to do that you're going to get 500 off your first hire at contra.com slash twist c-o-n-t-r-a dot slash twist think about how much you can get done with $500 worth of designer or developer time. Contra.com slash twist right now. Go get that 500 Okay, from the live chat, Vicky asks, what's a concept you thought was true early in your career and that you followed uh, and that you now think about differently? You have a credo uh, or an assumption, a heuristic, Zach, that you believed early, but you've now changed your mind about or you've evolved on. Hmm i don't know it's a, hard, it's a, it's a really That's good a question because it makes you question. think yeah, th- yeah, one thing that yeah. came to mind was you know that i could read founders mm. uh, like a poker player mm. and i really thought i i could look into people's eyes and know if they're going to be a winner or yeah. not yeah and i do think i do that better than the average investor yeah but i think that i may have over indexed in my belief of my ability to do that because so much of my deal flow came from my network Mm. and my network was filled with so many amazing people so my attribution was early on look at how great a picker i am and it was like yeah "Yeah." yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: this is like
0: things that are floating around your immediate circle and your immediate circle is well you know people i'm friends with these are all you yeah. know, high end entrepreneurs who are doing incredible stuff in the world and capital allocators. Of course, <laughs> it's going to yeah. be like high end stuff, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, Bob Dylan's like, wow, you know, I can pick people to sign for my record label who are really smart. It's like, well, just everybody's hanging out with Bob Dylan in the '60s, yeah. '70s, and '80s. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. they're all in his orbit. So yeah. now, I have moved to let's look at what the customer has to say in addition to what I think. So. Mm-hmm. Because, and I, I, you know what I'm finding? Frequently, the peop- I'm able to read people and how good they are at building a simple product that solves a problem in the world and being obsessed with customers. And then when I talk to customers, it's clear they're obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. And it's clear they're building stuff for them. Yeah. So here we go, right? Yeah. That's um, yeah. You have any I, you yeah, I've,
1: You know, I've just been continually impressed with just the how deep the learning curve is for this business. I mean... Capital allocating. It just... There's just so much to learn and I'm learning new stuff every day and... um, (laughs) You're a decade in. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Not counting your entrepreneurial career. I know. And I would, you know, I, you know, I spent a lot of time helping companies raise money and advising and doing this work before I did this work. So it's just it's great it's it's this the, the self-actualization of learning and becoming mm. better at the job is still very very alive I think if that ever went away I would be probably sad probably just immediately retire but yeah no it's it's really I'm really enjoying it it's really fun I'm I I am
0: learning a lot too one of the recent learnings I had so I'll rephrase this question any recent learnings or you know in the last year or two and one of the recent learnings I'm having is what a profound impact we can have on founders post investment uh, and I, I I think I under indexed to this again, my own ego thinking I could pick people and that did work early in my career. But once we have picked people, I've realized when we do a great job of teaching them how to do a board meeting, teaching them how to make a two-year plan, teaching them um, how to think about customer acquisition, teaching them about accounting, silly mm-hmm. stuff or mm-hmm. seemingly silly mm-hmm. stuff. But founders don't know accounting necessarily. They haven't done accrual versus, you know, yeah. uh, cash-based accounting. These are concepts that they may just not, not have run into yet. Um, and so getting them focused on things that can build a stable, scalable business, I was like, yeah, everybody will figure that out. But sometimes they figure it out and it takes them a year and we yeah. could have them figure it out in 10 days with the help of a service provider, with the help of another founder. And so that I underestimated. And maybe under indexed on as well so i'm really thinking about supporting the founders post investment a bit more and then identifying hey where where is it where is the zone of excellence for this founder and where are their blind spots and so mm-hmm. my ability to say this founder is so good at product but they're not good at hiring and and finding you know people that'll level them up oh this person's great at hiring incredible people and spending money <laughs> they're just not <laughs> focused on the customer or yeah, whatever yeah. it is right and th- that's something where Every time we invest more in it, we see greater outcomes. So, mm. you know, they they get to their next round of funding. So, I, I've just been thinking about that. And then also as your portfolio gets larger, identifying when the inflection point is. Mm. And that's something I'm really starting to study. Mm-hmm. And I have a new rule. Mm. It's 40k a month in revenue. Okay. All right. Well, that's when you that's, that's when the inflection eyes point go, is for you. Yeah, cuz yeah. I here's the thing, can't be my mistake. Yeah. When you hit five hundred k rep, five, ten, fifteen, twenty k,
1: yeah, you
0: know, you could just get one customer. You could get a whatever, you know, you get a little bit of traction. Maybe you're spending two dollars to make one. You know, it's just in an early stage startup. It's a sign of life. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when but they it get could be to your friends have, doing that,
1: yeah, yeah. They, it could be all yeah. kinds
0: of things happening. Um, yeah. You know, people just trying a product, but it just doesn't have market pull. Yeah. But when I see them hit that forty k a month, I times it by twelve, hits five hundred. I'm like, yep. Yeah, they figured something so out. That's where you get right. and, then, right. and then I say, hey, you, should we have a board meeting? Maybe <laughs> make a plan and see if we can triple it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people are like, yeah, you know, I was told don't do board meetings until Series A or whatever. I'm like, yeah, but you got 500K and you want a Series A. Do you want to make a plan to get it to 1.5? Because if you get to 1.5, you're going to get a Series A. Yeah. At 500K, you're not. Yeah. In like likelihood. Yeah, not right. Not not these days. I don't think so. I think, I think the bogey, what do you think the bogey is now to you know, lock in a series A. I mean,
1: 3X plus annual growth, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, over a million in error. That's, I think that's lock in, like when you start to, and, and not being in a crowded category, that's full of a bunch of, and actually Ah. having a viable path to being a big business, all the things that are normal, but a lot of people seem to forget. Um, yeah, you got,
0: okay. Hammond has a question. Would you recommend building the, relationships with VCs and angels months before deciding to build a product or company, how would you go about doing that?
1: So sure. Yeah. Like if, if you have a natural way to build relationships with VCs, natural meaning you do the things that they enjoy doing and you get to hang out with them, not in a professional transactional setting, but in a, you know, you kiteboard with them, you ski with them, you hike with them, you cook with them, you do yoga with them, whatever these things are. For sure. I mean, one of the best things that ever happened to me in my career in Silicon Valley was I started playing poker with the VCs yep. when I had just moved here, and all of a sudden I'm hanging out with a bunch of VCs as a you know 25 year old kid, just you know at their at Sand Hill offices, and and God, it was so powerful. Like I got to yep. learn by osmosis. I got to r- build a lot of long term lifetime relationships. These are still my good friends. That's yeah. If there's a way to do that, it's a superpower. You should you should latch totally. into that.
0: But But the way not to do it is to say can i get your feedback on my ideas because if they're doing well they're just like well just go build something and then let's talk about what you built it's not my idea to help you come up with an idea this this ideation obsession it's like um i i feel like when you're in that ideation phase that's up to you like unless you have a great relationship with the person you're at the poker table anyway and you're or you're you're kiteboarding and you're you know drinking some coconut water on the beach and you got nothing to talk about anyway you're like eh, I'm thinking about AI I wonder if it would apply to sports in yeah. some way and you could have a brainstorm there but the activity is first and this is second I, yeah. you know can I get coffee with you to go over my ideas is like really no. selfish um it with a busy person it just yeah. shows that you're not considering what you talked about enjoying your life maybe they have a family maybe they've got obligations People get busy when they're older. When you're young, you you have time, not money. Uh, and when you're older, you have money and not time. And so you you you're, you really have to. I know people who will just give people an angel investment to get them out of their hair. know f-
1: no. mm-hmm. yeah, I wouldn't that. do that. But like, you I'm know, just saying, that, have chance. somebody in their
0: life who's a relationship, and they're like, Yeah, no, I'll put five K in you know whatever. Yeah, I want to support you, whatever. But yeah, all right, well, Bob G. One, OG Bob. Ahead, one yeah, thing I would on. add is Twitter.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I've oh actually my God, built that's a great one.
1: Yeah. I've built a lot of relationships with people on Twitter, um, people who just engage in in my comments and I engage in their comments. And we built a relationship over the years where um, now if they were to reach out and basically be like, hey, I'm starting a company, here's a deck. I would immediately read that because mm. I've I've built respect for their thinking and the way that they engage and the way that they approach the world as a result of a natural organic Twitter interaction, which, yeah. which leads to me prioritizing the way that I interact with them when they reach out with a pitch, as opposed to, you know, the dozens of cold emails I get every day. I mean, I literally go through and just read it really quickly. No, this is not my thing. Yeah. Archive, archive, archive. But
0: if you're yeah. clever, intelligent, yeah, maybe on the margins, you're a little spicy, but not a <laughs> jerk uh and you're that reply guy as they say it could be a gal obviously it could be a they them it could be any gender you like but reply guy kind of rhymes a bit uh the reply guy uh archetype is a a real thing right and there are some people who have built massive relationships just replying to people who are powerful and twitter uniquely allows you to do that and so keep it intelligent keep it respectful don't be a jerk but you can be spicy on the margins um, that's fine that'd be funny yeah, yeah clever yeah. I, like, I like clever and fascinating those are words if somebody's clever and fascinating yeah
1: or insightful you know oftentimes insightful great if yeah. you basically like you somebody is talking about something there's a thread going on about something and then you're like oh what about this here's another way to think about it here's a link to something interesting you're adding to the conversation like you know I when,
0: it, when people do that to me I enjoy reading those things being like oh that's a cool way to change my thinking um, Austin Alred, um and he wound up getting Austin, A U S T E N. He was like a reply guy. So go look at his replies from the early days. All he did was like when he was building his business is reply, reply, reply. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's, and he's got a, I'm looking at it right now, he's got a quarter a million followers. So that's, wow. a, that's a thing. That's a thing. <laughs> All right. X Anti asks, how hard. Oh, wait, there's one more from Bob G. Bob, GS, Bob G asks, what startups. OG Bob G is back. What startups that you invested in face the most difficult early challenges? What did you personally learn from it? Wow. Okay. Good, Zach. You gotta Um I got anybody. I mean, the to guy me? there's a
1: myriad, right? Like it looks like startups is a rocket ship ride into the walls of your own personal incompetence. And so like whether you're like literally Elon or the the youngest, freshest entrepreneur on the streets, you you go into the market and When you're Elon, day one, it's a multi billion dollar business and you hire a thousand of the best people in the world. But like you're, you're, and because your competence is so high, your bar is so high, you crush, but you will immediately hit your limitations and you will just get your face ripped off. And it will just be a continual process of getting your face ripped off, stitching yourself back together, solving the problem, hopefully, repeat over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter where you are in the life cycle as an entrepreneur. And so, I mean, honestly, Every company that I've interacted with from start to finish, it's just a never-ending series of challenges. And the question is just like, can they work through them? And yeah, you know, can are they good at figuring out who's the right person to ask for help? How do I solve this problem? And then rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. I mean, look at look at look at Elon over at Twitter. You have personal experience with that. I mean, God, the guy just his level of incompetence is way higher than any of us ever, but he I mean he literally just jumped into the shark pit and said, Let's go.
0: I mean, it's a very astute observation. He's built some of the most legendary companies in the history of commerce. And now he has to do a turnaround. Oh my God. With a company that's at scale. Who all hate him. And yeah, yeah, maybe a certain percentage of the people there hate capitalism. Yeah. And profits. Yeah. And And working for a living. And working. Yeah. Yeah. And doing work or coming to an office and doing work. I mean, it is. Crazy when you think about it, like a lot of companies got hijacked by the employee base, uh, Google, oh, yeah. probably the number one example where Twitter, yeah you know, they just all of a sudden the company became a miserable place to work, and the people who are running uh, the place and you know the, you know, defining the culture are the people who Larry and Sergey would least like to have dinner with or go kiteboarding with or have coffee with. And it's like, how did that happen? You know? And it's like, they need to go in there literally. uh, And, you know, and Sergey's back in town, according to many reports hanging out. I don't know if Larry's going to come back, but they need to just start firing people who are not there to do work like Zuckerberg is. It has to be, you know, uh, the people who want to manage work or, you know, theatrically do work take credit for workers' work, Yeah, they're going to have to rethink that. And that might mean letting go of people who, yeah, have some amount of notability or notoriety, whatever it is yeah. inside the organization. But, you know, when you look at what they're actually doing, the output, that's the problem. Um, and I'm pretty happy with myself that I've built organizations, you know, the small ones that I operate, where everybody's actually doing work, uh, not just sitting around taking credit for everybody else's. All right, we'll do a last question here, I think, uh, because we are, and Meta, did you see Meta's doing thousands more layoffs in their efficiency thing? I'm like, whoa, I bought that stock at $94 in my day trading. Good job. Uh, It's like, whoa, I don't even know what it's trading at right now. I wonder what Meta's trading at. Let me look it up here. Meta stock. I mean, when are they gonna trade addict. You're an addict. I'm not. An, oh, 181. Whoa! I literally uh, pretty close to doubling my money here. Whoa! Nice, nice. Uh, what a crazy trade that was. Uh, <laughs> good all right.
1: Job. Good job.
0: Good job, everybody. Okay, here good we job. go. How hard do you negotiate on terms during your early stage deals? Is your preference to fund on a fairly standard safe rather than an equity round with lots of terms? Of course, we want to do standard terms. So let's just go to the first part of the question. This is from Xanti. How hard do you negotiate on terms?
1: I kind of live by the Warren Buffett school um i try to live by the War Buffett school for everything that guy's just like <laughs> he literally just he he set so many examples i'm just like just follow the book um if they set a price i take it or I leave it and that's it Got i'm it. not i'm not negotiating it's like like you can give me the price and i will say yes to it or i'll say no to it um will you tell them
0: that you're passing based on valuation yeah yeah of
1: course yeah yep. yeah me too and, and then they're like they're like whoa and i'm like at that point like that we, di- we didn't come together in the right way. And mm. thankfully that doesn't seem to happen too often. Usually it's like, if I want to do the deal, I think the price is fair, um, you know, then, then, then I'll say yes. Um, and then if I'm setting the price, you know, let's say they really don't want to set the price. You know, I come up with a fair number and I'm like, this is my number and I'm not Perfect. negotiating because like, this is the number. And, and yeah, now, now yeah. there are situations where it becomes competitive. Um, and that gets a little more dicey. Um, and there, it's just like, I, I come up with a number that I want to pay and pay it or mm-hmm. I lose a deal. Um, but it's not, about, um, it's not about negotiating oftentimes.
0: Yeah, my, I have an exa- the exact same philosophy. Um, if you are asking us to make an offer, we will ask you two or three times, what, what is your target valuation? Is the way I like to phrase it. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, we want you to tell us. And I'm like, well, what would be a valuation you think is fair? And they're like, well, we want the market to tell us. And I'm like, okay, what would be a valuation minimum that you would accept? (laughs) Literally, I've got like seven ways to ask this. If an investor is asking you to come up with a valuation, I suggest you just come up with one that you think is fair. If you want that investor, because then you move the conversation along. If you're over-optimizing on valuation in a market like this my Lord, what are you doing? Um, yeah. I could understand that technique. If you don't need money in 2021 and you're trying to see if somebody will do some stupid valuation at a FOMO, sure, you know, oh, you yeah. want to invest in Stripe? Yeah. Our last round was 50 billion. Um, we don't need money, but you're free to give a term sheet and I have a fiduciary responsibility to review it with my board. You can take that approach
1: yeah. and I'm
0: sure they did. And I'm sure yeah. people lobbed in term sheets that were absurd and, you know, fascinating, but in the early stage, well, what how much money do you need to make it to the next level? And how much yeah. dilution do you want? So, okay, yeah. you need three million dollars. Okay, you want to dilute no more than twenty percent. Okay, so you got a fifteen million dollar valuation, a twenty million dollar valuation, it's somewhere in that range. And then you just test it with the market. And if you're happy with that valuation and you think it's reasonable, well then both sides of the table can feel like they, you know, did a reasonable transaction and you can get back to work. If you're optimizing for that extra five million, the most talented investors will say okay you know what maybe i'll invest in the next round so let me know yeah. and then you get some sucker at the table who's trying to and we talked about it before maybe you're getting you know uh the finance guy or the you know send you on a wild goose chase mission uh gal who you know you don't want as investors yeah now you just added somebody to the cap table because you're optimizing for yeah. valuation and it's, it's a red
1: flag for me like in fact the point that the entrepreneur is more focused on the valuation than our relationship and the business that's going to be built there that for me is like probably not a deal i want to do
0: yeah it's kind of weird it would be like going to like a great restaurant and they're like trying to get you to buy it's like that guy who uh drops salt down his dirty arm (laughs) and (laughs) then expects you to eat a gold steak for a thousand dollars it's like That's not the steakhouse I want to go to, by the way. That
1: guy's brilliant, though. I mean, he... But it's brilliant, but you're an idiot if you
0: pay $1,000 for a mistake from him because you could go to an incredible... Yeah, there's suckers born every day, but like I'm not going there to see you in sunglasses and a dirty white (laughs) t-shirt, drop salt down your greasy, sweaty arm onto my steak, and I I don't want gold leaf on the steak. Salt Bay, it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Uh, Come on, it's brilliant
1: it's brilliant for suckers He's
0: brilliant but that's insert do me a favor insert zach doing salt bay uh, like a meme of it right here um it's just not what i'm interested in yeah like course, that's yeah. the equivalent of like yeah. optimizing for your valuation you yeah. look like an idiot right uh, or me trying to grind you down on valuation uh, you know if you ask me what the valuation is i'm like well public comp is four times revenue yeah You're a private company growing faster. So eight times revenue, 10 times revenue, whatever you think is fair. Um, and you you can, get to this range pretty quickly. So don't over optimize is the broad based answer. It's a red flag. Amazing job. Let's, um, let everybody know if you want to get in touch with Zach and you got a great idea, best way to do that is to get into his network, meet some of his founders or co-investors and get an intro, but you could always be reply. Gal or guy, yeah. they them. If you're non-binary, and just reply to him. We really need to come up with a on uh, Twitter,
1: a gender-neutral um, reply, guy. Uh, no, 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 no. A gender neutral uh, uh, singular, like so. We have he, she, and we just need a because they is plural. Like, yeah. so, like it, it's it's a plural I, yeah, word. I'm trying we, to I'm evolve really here. To make sure I
0: get it right. I think like v. <laughs> I like y'all. I just use y'all.
1: Y'all. Yeah, when I, I like come to meetings,
0: I'm like y'all. Got to work harder. Yeah. <laughs> I just Bill girly it. Yeah, Y'all Y'all's are not word. hitting the standard that yeah. we need to hit at this company. Y'all need y'all. to work harder. I just go with you And I like typing it. Yeah, I like yeah. a Y, a apostrophe, A-L-L, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. It just rolls Y'all's off a good the tongue. Y'all. Y'all. It's not Howdy. gender
1: specific. Howdy, y'all. Howdy, yep. y'all. Howdy, y'all. Uh,
0: you, um, you know, guys want I'm to wrap the show with uh, Salt Bay decorating a $150 burger at his restaurant? Oh, please. Really. Yeah, show, me, uh, show me this. Show me uh, this. This is going to be painful. No, it's <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, so gross. Look at it. you're too close to the food. This idea that Gold-plated he's getting burger. so close to the uh, thing, you know, and there's no way that hater. burger's worth it. You're such and a And the hater. gold leaf is stupid. Oh, uh, you're a hater. You're a hater. No, I'm not a hater. It doesn't add to the food. If you want, of course it doesn't. If this shows a disrespect. For cuisine. The, 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 yeah, it's just this garbage. Is, this is someone recreating it for the Big Mac. <laughs> oh, he just gold he's putting Big Mac. gold leaf. No, this on is a, like a joke. On a yeah, yeah, yeah. This is genius. Yeah. So the gold leaf on the Whopper. Oh, this is so great. And then he's gonna squeeze it. No, you know what? I went to Shake Shack yesterday. Burgers 12 bucks. Double, double, maybe 13 bucks. I don't know. I tipped 14. <laughs> i mean not even i mean i was like whoa 14 bucks and i was like you know what worth it it was delicious i guarantee <laughs> that truffle burger i had uh at shake shack is better than that monstrosity covered in gold leaf just you, a you know what you just put gold hater. leaf on a burger what you're telling me is the burger's not good enough respect the game the man's got game <sighs> i mean he, maybe he's a performer I, he's a performer i think he's a performer and you know what that's the point it's i'm not performer. looking for formative i'm looking for a great burger great yeah. snake all right listen yeah. great job all, to yeah, you too uh and uh just follow zach coleus interact with him go hella skiing with him <laughs>
1: go hella. actually it was funny that we were hella skiing with one of the owners of one of the the football teams one of the nfl teams and i didn't uh-huh. even know until like halfway through someone was like oh that guy owns his football team i was like oh that's pretty cool he's actually a really cool guy like so uh, uh yeah that's like that's a good uh, way to tell, get to know people tell
0: jed york i said hi huh? uh
1: yeah, it wasn't I mean, really bleep that it out. wasn't, it wasn't I mean, believe it out.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jet's a cool cat from the 40 uh, ers uh, cool cat. Nice guy. Yeah. Uh, all right, everybody. Uh, keep it joyful. <laughs> oh, there he is. There's Zach sprinkling that salt on his portfolio there. They actually, picked a good picture for it. it like
1: it's you like look that. great. That's That's so that.
0: handsome. I don't I mean, I don't <laughs> want to make this a hurrah. I don't want you to call My this one startups you. HR, but you look great. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you. Great. Yeah,
1: yeah, um you, you know, they use a special facial misture. Um oh, and, nice.
0: uh, I'll have to add that to my you get a, Yeah yeah well, yeah. You what have a I? Mister.
1: Well one of my companies, um Oh, uh, tell us. This is a miss for Mr. Oh, no, 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 it's, it's way better than that. So basically they, is it a non-gender mister? No, come on now. No, so basically uh, it turns out if you're going to add chemicals to your face, they have to get to Mm. the pores of your skin and your skin Mm -hmm. is actually very thick and it doesn't like things to go into your face. Ah, right. And so if you want to look young and healthy and basically, Mm. you know, you want to be, um, you want to be beautiful. Um, yes. you've got to basically use nanoparticles to basically add...
0: Nanoparticles.
1: Um, nanoparticles, yeah. Well, so. what's the
0: name of this startup? We're all well, pins and needles here.
1: And, Did I know, you've got to keep you on the... Uh, for your for your, your skin. you got nanoparticles. Um, Incredible.
0: Um, I literally Is this one of these Korean... Uh, I think it's one of these Korean beauty products. That's no, like no. my wife's Korean, so I, I'm, I'm very up on all these... No, No, the company's uh, called Droplet.
1: Um, i don't know it. about nanoparticles nor do i know anything about facial stuff but <laughs> I, the founder is amazing and uh that she reached out and i've known her for a long long time and and other oh, investors are. are smart and so i was like okay whatever i'm along for the ride and so then i got it one is. and i started using it and it makes me look pretty so awesome you know,
0: they have a drop, drop one for your skin Droplet.io. lit Droplet. dot io yeah drop let yeah. d-r-o-p-l-e-t-t-e dot i-o use the promo code zach <laughs> um, <laughs> don't for have $50 on your droplet. Look yeah, at that. Go. Look Beautiful. at that. Yeah.
1: But anyway, nanoparticles, nice. uh, they, they, your skin they, they they do seem to work. Um, wow. Got to make myself look like pretty it. for your show, Jason. I, gotta, I like gotta, it. You your look, unpaid
0: talent has got to look pretty. Absolutely. You look handsome. Yeah. All right, everybody. We'll see you next Thank time. You. Bye-bye.